Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. I had to go about it, write it out and find it myself. And there's some stories I can tell you. It's the final word daily. Adam Collins and Jeff Lemon. I'm at Lords in front of the Allen stand next to the pavilion. Jeff's in a kitchen in Canada. He's going to tell you all about it, though, in 30 seconds. Hello from the kitchen in Canada. England started the day 16 runs behind, ended their innings nine runs ahead. The last three fell quickly to Southey and Bolton. And it looked like a repeat of the first inning. So all the England seamers getting nicks to the wicketkeeper. Uh, Matty Potts got Kane Williamson for the second time in the match. They were four down for bugger all. And uh, then a partnership, finally a partnership between Daryl Mitchell and Tom Blundell. They put on 180 unbeaten. They're both in the 90s at stumps. And New Zealand in front by 227 at the end of day two. How remarkable the way that test match turned around. I suppose in a low-scoring game in any sport that mm. you have a good couple of hours, it's going to define what's taking place. But, I mean, they did what they need to do this morning, bowling England out for 141, a, a modest first-innings deficit, which they absolutely would have taken 24 hours earlier when they were in all sorts on the first morning. But then second time around, well, when Devin Conway's da- out down the leg side for 13, it's 56 for four. And, Jeff, I don't think it is unreasonable at that point we were genuinely talking about a two-day test match. Mm-hmm. I mean, if they lose the, the remaining six wickets, even in another sort of 25 overs from there, England might have been chasing 90-odd in the final session tonight or, or something like that. <laughs> now instead, I mean, even just using Winvis as a, a, a vague metric, when they came together, England were at 65% chance of winning the Test match. 100 runs later, New Zealand were at 65% and they're probably above 80 now or, or something like that. So, yeah, all it took was one decent partnership and the way they did it as well, with Mitchell looking to score down the ground, Blundell square of the wicket, using his feet to the spin of Parkinson, they did pretty much everything right from the moment they came together, and thus they deserve to be in the ascendancy at the end of two days. And it was one of those games where all it was ever going to take was one good partnership on either side, and statistically, yeah. you know, balance of probability, there was going to be a good partnership between somebody at some point. I mean, you you saw from the first innings even sure. just, just Tim Southey making 20-odd down the bottom of the order was very important for New Zealand in, in getting their first innings total up. Um, it, it didn't take huge partnerships to have a big influence uh, and I guess the problem for England was that their their decent partnership was at the top of their order and then everything fell away after that but it felt like it was going to come at some point and, and I, I like the way Daryl Mitchell goes about things he's uncomplicated he plays like an all-rounder you know he does take on the bowling they had Ben Stokes trying the the bouncer attack to him in the way that they tried against Australia during the last ashes you know Stokes doing the bumper after bumper and and Mitchell you know he watched a few and he ducked a few and then he started taking them on despite the field set for it and scored pretty heavily from those short balls you know had a couple of Mm. close-ish chances towards Stuart Broad at at mid-on but was happy to take that on I, I quite enjoyed the fact that he was willing to, uh, to to think that he was able to do it rather than just to try to play completely circumspectly uh, all the time. He's in that tradition, that New Zealand tradition of um, all-rounders who can do a, a bit of everything and who will tackle the game. Yeah, I think that's right. Even all the way to the end, final ball of the day, a lovely off-drive to move to 97. I mean, he was looking to score 
pretty much the whole time, maybe with the exception of the first 20 minutes or so when he got to the middle. I mean, speaking of when the partnership would come, this was pretty much last chance alone. If these mm. two don't put on that big partnership for the fifth wicket, they're, they're clutching at straws, really. I mean, yeah, sure, maybe de Grandhomme comes off uh, twice you know, in, a row. In, in some combination with the bowlers. Twice in a row, yeah, but... In all probability, this was their last opportunity, and yeah, they've grasped it. The way that he defended to mid-wicket, I mean, that sounds like a small thing, but his bat does come across from about third slip. So you need to have a pretty organised uh, approach to the ball coming down at you at 80-plus mile an hour from Anderson, Broad and Potts. But he did so pretty consistently. So they tried to attack his stumps. They thought he was an LBW candidate, and that never eventuated. And meanwhile, Blundell down the other end, I love the way he goes about the short ball, and we shouldn't be surprised. He did make a century in the Boxing Day Test match two and a half years ago against an Australian attack with, would have been Cummins and Hazelwood and Stark, if I recall correctly. Maybe Pattinson was playing in that side. Either way, it was, you know, serious fast bowling. And to make three figures against an attack like that, mm. you're going to have to handle the short stuff well. And, and he did handle the short stuff well. Uh, and yeah, look, he's 10 runs away from a century. Uh, Mitchell, three runs away. It'd be fitting if they both reached that tomorrow morning. The other side of the equation is that England have got the second new ball due, I think, in two overs time from now, maybe one over from now, which means there'll be one over, uh, think, a yeah. new... Yeah, one over, yeah, 79 gone. So a new challenge tomorrow morning. It could be the case that England uh, can twist this game the way they... Uh, you know, the way that this game was flowing from mm. session to session. If England have a big session to start tomorrow, maybe they're only chasing 270-odd, and then they might believe again. Any side with Ben Stokes in it is permitted to believe. So, yeah, it's not a foregone conclusion New Zealand will win from here, but, yeah, they're very much in the driver's seat. I think you could look at the match situation and say New Zealand 227 in front. I mean, yeah, England could could roll through them for 20 or 30 more in the morning if, if things go right for them with the new ball, you know. And traditionally, you'd look at, say, a, a, a run chase of 270, 280 and say that's likely to be too hard for the side batting last. But it's only going to be day three, you know. This isn't... Going, oh, on this pitch. Yeah, it's oh, not going to be a day five this, pitch. This, this, well, this is where I'm going well, with well, it's this. Also, well, yeah, and even the pitch that we've seen today, it's settled down, hasn't it? I mean, yeah. I don't know the extent to which this was coming up on the TV broadcast, but it, it didn't quite go to sleep. But, I mean, there was really nothing there mm-hmm. for much today for the fast bowlers. And it, it probably means that day three, and I've watched a lot of cricket here over the last couple of years at first class level and quite a bit this year mm-hmm. already, and, and the pitches have been outstanding to bat on on day three and day four. So from a chasing perspective, there'll be no better time for it. Yeah, so that's the thing, is that New Zealand don't necessarily only need another 30 to 50 runs to put the match out of reach. You know, they might need a fair bit more than that, given how early we are in the game. Um, The weather forecast for the Saturday is dry. It's not sunny, so there won't be any sun to kind of dry out the pitch and and make it even better to bat on. But there shouldn't be rain around. Uh, Mm. There should be, you know, enough sort of stable enough weather to let that surface settle, which means that maybe batting just gets easier into into the third day. So... I think that this pair, this Mitchell-Blundell pair, they have to come out on the third day and do a fair bit more work. They've done a lot. They've put on 180. Maybe they need to put on 300 together, you know, to, to, to make the yeah. game safe and, and give DeGrandom something to, uh, you know, a, a position of safety to come in from to hit out and, and let the tail do that and get themselves up to a, a really big lead in order to feel secure in this match. Yeah, the final web player of the day could be either of them. I'm just going to go with Mitchell on the basis that it reinforces this great depth we've seen from New Zealand over the last few years on their push towards the World Test Championship last year at Edgbaston. Remember, they rested six players? Mm. Now, Mitchell was one of those brought in. He didn't make runs at Edgbaston, but it demonstrated the faith they have in, in that next group who 
don't necessarily make the first 11. I mean, Matt Henry isn't playing this week. He took seven for 23 two test matches ago. Neil Wagner isn't playing this week. He's the number eight bowler in the world, and hmm. he's been a handful against every opposition across the last five or six years. And kind of the same applies for Mitchell. It's unlikely he would be playing this week if not for the fact that Henry Nichols has that calf niggle and, and we expect that Nichols will come back next week. So, yeah, for mine, it's about Mitchell getting an opportunity and taking it with both hands and, and making himself undroppable for next week. And what a moment it would be for him to bring up his second test century and for it to be uh, one here at Lords where he goes up on that honours board and, and all of the rest of it uh, in front of what's certain to be a packed house on, on the Saturday of a bank holiday weekend. I know that you were pretty excited about Matty Potts coming into this game, um, four for 13 mm. in the first innings. Uh, that is the fourth most economical debut bowling performance by someone to take four wickets or more. Uh, right. Yeah. How do you like that as a stat? <laughs> Where did you find that? Uh, How just, did you find that? I just thought, I just looked at four for 13 and I thought 13's not many. Who, who's taken as many or more wickets for um, right. fewer runs? And... Only uh, only a couple, um, Ernie Toshak and uh, well Scott Boland's got the best ever <laughs> figures on that regard. The six for seven that he sure, took yep. on on debut, unsurprisingly. Um, but that that performance from Potts, he's also got two of the first four wickets to fall. He didn't get to bowl four or five for in his first Test innings because he had that cramp and had to come off when New Zealand were nine down. So he, he could have potentially got himself a five wicket bag. Um, two of the four to fall so far. What have you made of watching him across the first couple of days? Look, he's an impressive character. He really does charge in. I suppose the one thing that's not working in his favour is he came in with expectations that he might be like genuinely quick, and he's just not. Mm. He's about the same pace as Stuart Broad. He's a sort of anywhere between 82 and 85 mile an hour. Nothing wrong with that, by the way. If you're a good bowler, you're a good bowler, and that, that's, that's more than enough in, in terms of pace if you're going to make it long term. But he's not Ollie Stone, Joffre Archer, Mark Wood pace mm -hmm. either. So where he sits in the pecking order uh, might be affected by that that speed radar. And, I mean, the other Matthew, Matt, Matt Parkinson, who was playing today in most unusual circumstances. I know mm -hmm. that you and Daniel spoke about that last night. He was on the M6 driving down from Manchester um, yesterday morning. Bizarre circumstances. Had his England test cap presented to him indoors today. He wasn't out on huh. the ground. I, I suppose if he gets a second test, they might do it again in front of the cameras. But, I mean, there's always going to be criticism about... Matt Parkinson's pace. So, you know, we could have foreshadowed that whenever he's played for England in white ball cricket, those who are critical of him are going to point to the, the, the 45 mile an hour or 72 kilometres an hour that his stock delivery is sent down at and say, well, look, he's just not quick enough to be threatening. But um, I think give him a chance, right? He didn't expect to be playing test cricket a day ago. Uh, there was not much there for him as the pitch was going to sleep he was getting a chance to bowl and there wasn't much movement for him. And if any bowler is going to spin it, it's going to be Parkinson bowling mm. at that pace and based on what we've seen over the last four or five years playing for Lancashire. So, yeah, I, I would I would uh, pause for thought in, in rushing for judgment. There are people doing that already saying, oh, he'll never play for England again. That is just wild. Mm. He's played, he's bowled two spells uh, on a pitch that's flattening out uh, where there's no footmarks really to aim for at this stage against a set pair. Uh, he'll, he'll, he'll have his opportunities and he's a very good cricketer. So, But I'm mostly just pleased that we're seeing him play at all. I think, Jeff, we both speculated at different points that he might be one of these unlucky cricketers who slips through the cracks, someone like, mm -hmm. a, say, Jamie Siddons, who was near and near enough for about three or four years and never got the baggy green. Well, no one can take away the fact that Matt Parkinson got the chance to play for England today in a test match. He got to bowl. He, he batted OK and he threw himself around in the field. And I might come back to some of that in our Hall of Fame in a moment. Yeah, well, I, I think I'd love to see him 
get an opportunity on uh, an England pitch that might take a bit of turn, you know, some sort of yeah. late July or August surface where it's had some sun on it for a while, you know, which which surface might actually be able to give us some turn these days, um, we never really know. But there is that possibility. There are There are England surfaces that can be helpful for spin. I'd like to see him get a go on one of those. The kind of uh, surface conditions, Definitely. match situation he was bowling in today were not helpful. And, you know, as you say, coming in as a, a concussion substitute, it's a fairly bizarre way to make your test debut. Maybe it's lower pressure in a way because you just come in and do the job instead of being able to think about it beforehand. But, yeah, my, that would be my Hall of Fame nomination would be getting subbed in as a bowler and then the first job you have to do is coming out to bat at number 11. Um, a, a weird thing to get brought into a game to be the worst player with the bat in the team. But he made eight runs, took them all off one over, uh, looked pretty decent, and he outscored six yep. of the other players in the England team. So <laughs> as, far as, as far as that goes, he did pretty well. Yeah, I'll take that as well. And, and just to go back on that fielding, uh, he really threw himself around today. The criticisms of Parkinson are, can't bat, can't field, and bowls too slowly. Well, okay, he bowls slowly, but, you know, did his bit batting at number 11 or batting at 10, I can't remember anymore. Uh, 11, and, yeah. And Anderson got a promotion. And himself around. Right. And there was one instance where, you know, he was saving one run, mm-hmm. much as it was with Jack Leach yesterday. He gave it his all. And, I mean, that's the sort of stuff that Brendan McCullum's going to want to see. And my other side of the Hall of Fame is when Stuart Broad did the same thing, Jeff, uh, at in front of the grandstand. It was trickling to the boundary, this particular ball. There's no way Broad could drag it in. And he just gave this kind of, uh, I wouldn't say tokenistic. It was, it was a proper dive, but it was after the ball had ran into the rope. It was almost as though he was <laughs> emphasising to his new coach that uh, you need to see my whites are dirty as well. And, and so he did. So, uh, And Broad made yep. a spectacular stop in front of the grandstand as well, where he, uh, where he kind of um, did a, a 360 spin and managed to come up with the ball in his non-preferred left hand. So um, mm-hmm. credit to the England fielders who are uh, doing as they're being instructed by their new coach. Yeah, I, I th- he was showing that he was willing to dive at any given exactly. time, <laughs> even, even, even if it wasn't going to help in that situation. He's like, I would do this in a different situation. Um, I'd also give a Hall of Fame nomination for Stuart Broad's batting. We, you know, come out 16 runs behind. It's like, <laughs> oh, time to knuckle down and see if we can get into a lead. I think he faced about six balls, had five slogs, hit one of them for four and missed the last one and got clean bowled. Um, uh, he just gets ropier and ropier with the bat. Yeah, he, he's definitely two spots too high at number nine at the moment. Uh, Jeff, that's it. That's the... Uh, final word daily. Got to get the nomenclature right there mm-hmm. for the England-New Zealand series. Day two here at Lords uh, and New Zealand are in a fantastic position to press home the advantage tomorrow. If you enjoy what Jeff and I do, patreon.com forward slash the final word and we'll be back with another daily show about this time tomorrow. Bye from Lords. So you know what I meant here. I had to go about it, write it out and find it myself.